Hey, thanks for taking a few minutes today to tune in. We pray that no matter where you're listening from, these messages are engaging, encouraging, and relevant to where you are on your life's journey. Our society has a huge problem, and it's not opioids, it's not pornography. The biggest problem and issue that our society has is loneliness. See, there's way too many people dying lonely. There are way too many people taking their own lives because they're lonely. There are way too many people turning to a pill or to a bottle or to a toxic relationship because of loneliness. And, and we want to actually create a, a church that we can actually put a dent into loneliness in our city in Edmonton. But in order to do that, we need people that are going to lean into a relationship and lean in and not just, not just show up and, and come and sit in a seat and go out, but be active in, in, in growing relationships with other people. See, Paul actually tells us in Hebrews 10, says, do not give up meeting together. Now, you might be here and you've never read a Bible. You might not even own a Bible. If, if that is you, that you don't own a Bible, we want to make sure we give you one. If you visit our guest center at the end of the service, they will give you a Bible. But it's crazy when you think that the Bible was written nearly 2,000 years ago. And many people think that the Bible is outdated or irrelevant and, and not, not trendy, not hip. But then you read stuff like this, that do not give up meeting together. And you're kind of like, was that written for today? Because society, it seems like society is just pulling us to be lonely. Right? We, we have hundreds of friends and followers on, on our cell phones but we have nobody that we will call up and go out for lunch or for a game of golf on Saturday. Or it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent that people are working from home. Now, some people here that don't work from home, I'm like, I wish that was me. Um, other people are like, uh, yeah, it's great to work from home. Companies are starting to understand that, that office space is actually not needed. I can give somebody a job and I can trust them to do it at home. And if they're going to get it done at home, then I'll pay them for it. And, less and le- we're having less and less interaction. It's easier than ever to have a restaurant come to your front door, right? Skip the dishes. We love it. Shawnee, we actually love all three of those things. It's easier for us to have a restaurant come to our front door with a six-year-old and a three-year-old than it is to go out to a restaurant. But what's happening is actually drawing us away from relationships. Not, not that skip the dishes is wrong and not that social media is wrong. I'm not, I'm not bashing those things. I, I have them all. If I could do skip the dishes every day, I would. If you do skip the dishes every day, can we be friends and I'll come over? Okay? But, there, but Paul actually addresses something. He says, do not give up meeting together. 2,000 years ago, he wrote that. I, I think people were struggling with some of the same issues that we struggle with today, even though they don't have cell phones and they didn't have cars and they probably didn't have enough horsepower, but they had a horse to get, to get us from point A to point B. But they struggle with some of the same things. And I said that we don't gather just to sing songs and to drink coffee and to hear me speak. But Paul gives us direction in why we meet together. He says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And let us now, let us and let us now neglect our, it's supposed to be not neglect, now, now not neglect our meeting together as some people, are, people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing 
near. One of the biggest reasons that we gather together is to be an encouragement to people and to receive some. So if, if you are a believer here, can I just, can I challenge us a little bit? When was the last time you encouraged before you complained? Or when was the last time you encouraged before you criticized? See, church is a place where we come. The reason we believe that it, it can springboard us into the next week is not because we raise a hallelujah. It's because we give an encouragement. And guess what? Your encouragement to the person sitting next to you could be the strength that they need to tackle their Monday. If you're a, single, if you're a parent here, not just a single parent, if you're a parent here, can I tell you that you're a hero Especially if you got up this morning with, with little ones under the age of 10 that need a lot of assistance to get dressed and to get everything ready. You're a hero. You're placing things in your kids' lives today and in your lives that are actually going to make a difference in their tomorrow. Okay, just, it, I know that it's sometimes frustrating and it's easier just to stay at home. We have a three-year-old and a six-year-old and there's, easy, there's sometimes that we don't even want to send her to school because it's like easier. Can we just stay at home today? But if you're a parent here, you are a hero and we just thank you so much for getting your family out of bed, getting them ready and coming into Discovery Church this morning. We believe that your kids will be and your, des- your future, your destiny, when you're long gone, what you do today is going to affect that day. Your dream teamer here. Thank you so much. Like this just doesn't happen. Be able to create a space for people to be able to come and to worship and to be able to explore and encounter Jesus. Thank you so much for getting up early. Seriously, we have people that, that wake up at 5.30 to drive trailers. We have people that will stay till one o'clock tearing down. We have people that lead discovery groups and people that do community events and outreaches and it's dream teamers. So thank you for investing in your life beyond yourself. If this is your first time, you've never been in church before, you don't really go to church that often. Can I tell you, you're super brave. Because I know that it's really hard to leave your church or leave your house thinking, I'm going to go to church for the first time. What do they wear? Do I cross myself? Do I take my shoes off? What are people going to look like? Are they going to want to sprinkle water on me. There's all these, like, all these things. We, we park two blocks away because we're, we, we need that walk to get here because we're wondering if I'm going to turn around and go back home. So if you're here for the very first time, can I say that you're some of the bravest people I know for pushing back those fears and pushing back some of that anxiety to be in here today. And we thank you so much. If you, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Seriously, you, you are some of the bravest people in our city. One of the greatest reasons that we do what we do is because we believe that Jesus is a choice that you can choose. Now, I believe that Jesus is a choice that can bring you greater hope, greater purpose, greater joy, greater life understanding, greater direction. But our city, we've, we've done the research and we've looked at the numbers and we, our city is actually nearly 300,000 people in our city of just over 1 million don't even know that Jesus exists. Now, I grew up in a Christian home, and that's really hard for me to comprehend that there are people that might be in my neighborhood that don't even know that there's a choice to choose Jesus. And I frame it often like, what if the greatest choice you could ever choose you didn't even know existed? 
And a part of why Discovery Church exists is just not, to, not to push Jesus on people, not to push our faith and our beliefs, but the reason that Discovery Church exists is so we can actually create a place and create relationships where we say, hey, why don't you come and seek truth? And why don't you come and discover purpose? Because some people don't even know that, that Jesus is a choice in their life. We believe that from east to west. We, we titled our service today, East to West. We believe that as far east and as far west as you can humanly drive on a Sunday morning, you could be at Discovery Church. We believe that from east to west, um, that, you, that Jesus died and gave his life for you from east to west. Every, every Not just east to west in Edmonton, east to west from coast to coast in Canada, from, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. From east to west, Jesus died for you. Speaking of east, I grew up in the easternmost province in our, in our country, uh, a little province called Newfoundland. Now, don't judge me. Love me, please. Okay, You're, you might already be saying, it's like, I knew there was a little bit of an accent in there somewhere. Uh, I drop my H's and put them on when I get excited. I'm, I'm sorry, but I remember growing up in Newfoundland. I spent the first 18 years of my life in Newfoundland. And if you've talked to many Newfoundlanders, most of them, not all of them, but many of them would kind of be like, well, God only resides in Newfoundland. All the fog and all the rain and all the snow, well, that's just God's blessing on us. And you know what? If you're outside of Newfoundland, it's essentially lots of people would believe that Newfoundland is the center of the universe. I know it's, it's poor, it, but, but it's true. Like I, I can speak from a Newfoundlander's perspective that lots of them kind of talk and feel like that. It's kind of like, but you hear it. If, if you're in Alberta and you've never met a Newfoundlander, I would say you need to go to a McDonald's. Because there's probably a Newfoundlander there. But it seems like everybody that you meet that's from Newfoundland says, well, eventually I'm going to go back home. I want to go home. That's, that's where my family is. That's where I want to stay. That's where I want to be. No, I'm not one of those. We planted Discovery Church 18 months ago, and we made a decision in our hearts and our minds and our lives that this is home. It was home way before that. We made the decision that, look, if we're going to start a new church, this is for a long time even though our in-laws live in Newfoundland. But I grew up in a little town. And my parents actually moved to Alberta when I was 18 years old. And they moved to Fort McMurray, if you could believe it or not. Little Newfoundland. And I remember I went, I went to school in Newfoundland. I went and I did one, a one-year course. And it came about two months out from the point of, of my course being done. I was talking to my mom and my dad on, on, on the phone. And it's still called long distance at that time. There's charges, so we made it really quick. And my mom said, so what are you going to do in two months' time when your course is done? Are you coming to Alberta with, with us? Or are you staying there? I'm like, there's no way I'm going to Alberta. It, it, all my friends are here. This is where the life is. This is where all my opportunity lies. And, and this is where I'm staying. I am called. I need to be in Newfoundland. There's no way. Do not take me away. Do not take me away from the promised land. Okay? That's how I felt. Now, if you have ever been a parent of an 18-year-old, you know that not much depends on where you will be other than your bank account. Two months later, I was packing my bags, getting on a plane, because I didn't have money to eat or pay for rent or pay for school. So unwillingly, I let go of my life in Newfoundland and got on a flight. And I remembered coming down to the 
runway in, in Fort McMurray. Just having this sense of fear, the sense of anxiety, the sense of being overwhelmed. It's like, I don't know any friends. I don't know anybody here. What if, what if I can't connect? What if I can't get a job? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Have you ever been in a place where you're uncertain what your future might look like? Have you ever been in a place that you're kind of like, man, I feel like I'm supposed to, to go somewhere or do something or start a business or, or be generous, but I, 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 don't know, I don't know what that next step is. And there's kind of this fear and, and, you're, and you're in this, this struggle back and forth. Well, that was me. I was like, God, I'm, I'm not really sure. I've got to be here. I let go. Uh, my, my parents paid for my flight, told me that I had to be here, uh, but I still want independence. I don't know, have any friends. I don't know what I'm going to do. And there's this, there's this tension. I wonder if that's what the disciples felt like when Jesus came to them for the very first time. And it reads in Matthew four eighteen. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you're talking with your mouth or you're listening, but you're having another conversation at the exact same time in your head? Anybody? I, I've, I've, I've been there. I'm there probably too often, especially when we're talking at home. Shana is like, are you listening? Yeah. So why aren't you doing what I asked you? Oh, sorry, babe. Uh, I'll, I'll, what was that again? You know, it's like you're having this conversation with your mouth. And I wonder if this is what the disciples were like at this point. Okay, I know that the Bible says that they dropped their net immediately and followed him. But if you, the conversations that you have in your mind, they can go really, 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 really fast. Now, we got to understand that the characters that we read about in the Bible were normal human beings. They weren't superstars. They weren't rock stars. Lots of the disciples weren't even parents yet. So they really couldn't be superstars. Because you can't be it. No, I'm kidding. It's just that sometimes parenting's really tough. For those that have kids, you know what I'm talking about. But I wonder if a conversation was going on inside of Peter's head or inside of Andrew's head. Kind of like, Jesus, that sounds really good. But I really like fishing. I re- I'm really good at it. And guess what? My dad taught me and my grandfather taught him and my great-grandfather taught my grandfather and my grandfather taught my father. And now I'm really, really, I'm a really good fisherman. And I know how to catch fish. And I can provide for my family. And, and it makes sense. This is a really good life, Jesus. Why would I come and follow you? And I'm sure the disciples kind of had some of this tension between, man, I, like, I, if I... If you were here a couple of weeks, we talked a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus had to be a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. But what if I'm following a lunatic? Like they didn't know this a lot about Jesus at the time. And they said, come and follow me. And they dropped their net immediately. I, I bet you that some of those disciples had this fear, this tension, be like, am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right step? 
If you continue reading throughout the Gospels, you'll see that the disciples were by Jesus, becomes, becomes his best friends, and, and were, were present for miracles like feeding of the 5,000 and walking on the water and turning water into wine and seeing people raised from the dead and, and lame walking and blind seeing. And, and the, the biggest miracle of all is Jesus bringing himself back from the dead. Can you imagine what it would have been like if, if the disciples said, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to just, I'm, this is a good life. This makes sense. I'm going to stay fishing. I'm going to be a fisherman. I'm going to take care of my family. It just, it just makes sense. Can you imagine the life that they would have missed out on? See, the hardest decisions that we make in life are not between good and bad. Good and bad is, is pretty simple. Bad choice, good choice. Black and white. It makes sense. We can see. Now, do we always pick good? No, we don't always pick good. Sometimes we pick bad, but we know that it's a bad decision. The hardest decisions in life are actually going to be between good and great. See, it's harder to distinguish between good and great. Because good makes sense. My life is fine. I'm working a job. I have a family. I'm paying my bills. I'm getting through life and it's good. It's, it's safe. It's comfortable. And sometimes we're holding on so tight to good that God's saying, pick up the great, but where our hands are already full. Now, I wish that sometimes we could reach for great and good at the same time, but most of the time it doesn't seem like that. We got to let go of good to take a hold of great. Today is Easter. We celebrate Jesus coming back from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. But 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came to earth, the way that humans had to ask for forgiveness of their sins was good. In Judaism, there would have been a temple that would have sort of would have had an outer court, inner court, and then a place called the Holy of Holies. In the outer court, where 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 would where would all the Jews would would gather to worship, and then the inner court would be where all the priests would gather, and then there would be this place of Holy of Holies where only the high priest could go. And that's where the presence of God dwelt. And the, only the high priest could go there because he was the only one that could potentially be holy enough to actually go inside, into God's presence. And the crazy thing is, is he could only go there once a year. And when he went there, he was to take the sins of, of all the people and to ask for forgiveness from God. And, 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 but if he had anything um, out, of, out of 
uh, swords with him, any sin in his life, he would drop dead. Actually, they would tie bells around their feet and uh, tie a rope around the priest, a high priest, as he would go into the Holy of Holies. Because if he heard the bells walking around, you knew that he was still alive. But if there was no bells, the, the, he, was, he fell dead in God's presence. And that's what humans would have to do to ask for forgiveness of their sins. And they can only do that once a year. It was good. It worked. Man, if, I could, if, if, if that was the only thing that I could do to find forgiveness, I, I'm, I'm in. It's good. But God had a greater plan. See, God had a plan that, that was great because the greatest thing that God wants from us is a continuous relationship in his presence with him. So he, he looked at what was, what was good and said, well, that's, that, that's good for now, but I have a greater plan. How about I send Jesus Christ to the earth as, as my son, and, and, and he is the, 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 the savior, the, the sacrifice for all. So that sounds like a great plan. Great plan for everybody but Jesus. And what happened was Jesus went to a cross. And he reached as far east and he reached as far west as he possibly could. And he hung his head and he breathed his last breath and said, it is finished. And one, the minute that he said, it is finished, there was a curtain between the Holy of Holies and the inner courts that was ripped in half. And that signified that the presence of God now infiltrated into humanity. And because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross, we don't have to wait once a year to be in his presence. That We have to recognize that Jesus is the Savior and the sacrifice for all things wrong because God wants a great purpose for us. And the greatest purpose that he has for us is to be continually in his presence. Psalms 103.12 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Sometimes I wonder what my life would have been like if I did stay in Newfoundland and worked at Subway, which there's nothing wrong with working at Subway, but that was my only choice at that point. Do I work at Subway or do I step out beyond my fear, beyond my comfort zone and step into something that I have to totally trust God with? Shereen, if you could just come back, that'd be awesome. But I'm so glad that I had the courage to let go of the good and to get on a plane and fly to Alberta, eventually find myself in Edmonton, find myself studying theology in a Bible college, having the opportunity to travel across our country multiple times, seeing thousands of teenagers giving their lives to Christ, stepping into a youth pastor position in a local church, which some of those youth are actually here, part of this church now as as young adults and adults leading. And now standing on a stage where I feel this is the greatest days of my life being able to share the hope of the world with Edmonton, 
with you because people need to know about Jesus. But the step into the greatest things of our lives is important that we're willing to let go of the good. It's easy, like I said, it's easy to let go of the bad. Even though sometimes we seem to always go back to it, but it's really hard to let go of the good because life makes sense. Well, God, why why would I give up a really good job to serve in an orphanage in Africa? I don't know. This is good. Is it wrong to have a good job? No, not at all. But God wants us to step into the greatness that he has for us. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't started a relationship with Jesus yet. Because life's good. You know what? what? It makes sense. Going to church on Easter and, and Christmas makes sense to me. And we're so thankful that you took this Easter to be here today. Life's good. You have a family. You're in school. Things make sense. If I, if I step into and say yes to Jesus, well, I don't know what I'm stepping into. I don't, I don't know what, what my future holds at that point because stepping into a relationship with Jesus is, is, is saying that I'm giving total surrender to God. Whatever he calls me to, I'm going to do. Whatever he, he asks me, I'm going to do. My finances is not mine anymore. My time is not mine anymore. My, my dreams are not mine. All these things are not mine. But the thing is, is God's calling you to greatness and it's great is better than good. But are you willing to give up the good of the comfortable life today because probably more people in here are probably living a good life. Might be a little rocky at times. We might have some struggles at times or we might be unemployed at times or we might be sick at times but all in all it's a decent life. Sometimes it's so hard to lay down the good take a hold of the great. God's greatest gift to humanity was given when Jesus came to this earth to die in our place. And then he rose again, conquered death, so we can have a constant relationship, a constant communion with God himself. There are so many questions that you may have about faith in Jesus. Can I encourage you to explore those questions for yourself? God is not afraid of your questions. Rather, he welcomes them. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. And be sure to never miss an episode. If you find these talks beneficial, would you rate and review them? That would help others get connected to these kinds of talks. Have a great day. Can't wait to hang with you again next week.